Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and tonight uh, (laughs) at 1 o'clock in the morning, I am uh, recording this during a very loud thunderstorm, so if you hear anything in the background, it's because I am in my basement sitting on a lawn chair uh, while I'm doing this recording, and I thought, well, I might as well get some work done while I'm down here, right? A friend of mine uh, suggested that I do a podcast talking about when the Lord tells you to move somewhere and you don't know where you're going because she knows she's being led to move and she knows that I went through that before before I wrote The Wilderness Companion. So thank you, Julia, for the idea to do this. And what I'm going to do is I'm basically going to read to y'all where I wrote about this in The Wilderness Companion book. So let's begin. I'll be reading from The Wilderness Companion book, chapter 7. I'd come out of the wilderness in the fall of 2003, and other than some very trying emotional times, I had, for the most part, stayed out. When 2008 rolled around, I'd been working in the Oklahoma oil field again for almost four years. I'd been back in the oil field and living out of motel rooms since the beginning of 2005 that time, and I was feeling pretty burned out when the Lord spoke to me that spring that my job would be coming to an end soon. Now, when he spoke that to me, The boss on our job had just told me and told the others that we had two years of work ahead of us. But I knew that the Lord could not lie, so I knew who was going to be proved right in that. I was so tired, and it was not altogether bad news, except I was not sure how I was going to support myself. My job ending meant that I would need to rent a house or apartment someplace and find another job, and I had no idea where home even was anymore. Since I'd spent most of the last three years in Oklahoma, it felt more like, you know, at home than Texas. And there was, but there was little work in my part of Oklahoma when oil wasn't booming. God already had a plan, though, and it wasn't long before he began to let me know it. The leaves were just beginning to change to rich autumn hues and the air beginning to turn crisp one afternoon in September during my latest oil and gas job. I was sitting in front of my computer preparing a lease when I began to sense very strongly in my spirit that work was about to cycle down. In the oil and gas industry, work comes in cycles, and work availability depends heavily on current supply and demand. When oil prices go high, work is plentiful, and many jobs are available, creating a boom cycle. When the supply increases and the price of oil falls to a certain point, projects are canceled and workers are suddenly laid off. Formerly booming oil field towns become like ghost towns practically overnight, as crews of workers pack up and head home to find other work. Everyone in my group had just been told we had at least two years of work ahead of us in the current project, but I had worked in the oil field long enough to know that was subject to change on any given day, depending on market prices. Companies approved budgets for jobs and made plans, but if supplies suddenly increased from foreign sources and prices dropped in the U.S. as a result, those plans would be shelved or in some cases, abandoned altogether. One day you had work, the next day you were packing up your motel room and heading for home, hoping you could find a job in some other field of work. 
I said nothing to anyone else about what I felt, but I quietly began to cut back on unnecessary spending. On October 1st, our project manager called everyone together in a meeting and announced our prospect had been canceled. They expected to have work in faraway states for a few who could travel, but almost nothing in Oklahoma. I welcomed the break from work in my own life. I just wasn't sure what I was going to do after the oil field this time. Over the next week, Woodward, Oklahoma went from a bustling oil field city to a ghost town. Where I once heard the constant whir of traffic, I now heard an eerie silence that echoed my own thoughts back to me. In my heart, I was certain better days were ahead, as over the following weeks, I proceeded to wrap up the last of the oil and gas leases I had taken and pack up all my files. Having been the title manager for my area, I was the last to leave. Everyone else had already packed up and left town. One evening, I was listening to a Bible teaching about the winds of change when finalizing, while finalizing some leases when the Lord began to speak a message to me for a ministry group headed by my for former mentors. The Great Recession had begun, and they were struggling financially because the people they ministered to had tightened their purse strings. Now, I want to tell you all about this because this is a very important lesson to remember. We know because the Lord has told us that there is a, an economic crash of unprecedented proportions that is coming. That means it will be worse than the Great Depression was. And this is an important thing for us to know as Christians that will help us to get through that. When other people are not able to, we will still be able to. Ecclesiastes 11.4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. The Lord led me to Ecclesiastes 11.4 and began to show me what happens when we get into fear in hard times and stop giving. I, and y'all, I'm not saying this so you'll give to me. I'm just telling you, you need to keep sowing when times are hard, okay? Please hear me on this and don't think that I'm just some preacher that's out for your money because anybody who's listened to me very long, y'all know that's not who I am. In my spirit, I saw people holding on to their money tightly, afraid to give, and they looked worried as they watched the wind blowing everything around. I still remember this vision. Giving is an act of worship, he said. Are they going to stop worshiping me when the winds of change blow? Then they should not stop giving either. They are staring at the winds of change, afraid in their hearts. They clutch tightly to their purses because they are not believing the promises in my holy word. They do not believe in my goodness to provide for them. They dishonor me by believing the lies of the enemy over my word and lacking faith that they will have enough. What he's saying is our fear dishonors him. At the time, the Great Recession was in full bloom and job losses and massive layoffs were almost a daily occurrence in the news. The failing economy was all anyone talked about, and it became more difficult by the day to be optimistic among so much negativity. I desire they would step up boldly and stand on my promises to provide for them. I desire they would give boldly while proclaiming their faith and prove me in this. If they will give in the face of lack, I will provide supernaturally for them and they will not lack any good thing in this time. If they choose to believe the enemy's lies, that they will be in lack and fear, they will instead reap a harvest of fear and lack. That is what he desires for them. All I have belongs to my people, but they fail to claim it as theirs and lay hold of it. They become afraid in hard times and do not give into my work, and this dishonors me greatly. 
I desire to bless them, but their faith is in the enemy's ability to bring lack and not in my ability to provide for them. Tell them, my daughter, tell my people I desire they would believe me for good things. I desire they would know I am a good and loving father. And I take care of my children who trust me to provide for them. It is not my will that they live lives of lack, fear, and worry. Tell them, according to their faith, it shall be done unto them. He showed me their fear would also keep them from being able to hear his voice, something I myself had experienced before. You cannot hear the voice of faith when you are listening to the voice of fear. That night during worship, he spoke again. There is nothing you can ever need that was not covered by Jesus' work on the cross. Come to me nightly and worship, my daughter, for the time is indeed short, and there is much for me to impart to you and the others I have called to my last day's army. If you fail me in this, you will not be able to survive what is yet to come, for the earth shall indeed become a terrible place. But that is as it should be and as it has been foretold in my word. I am about to arise terribly and shake the earth. Everything is changing, and it is changing quickly, so you must be ready at all times to do whatever I command you to do. And some of it will sound like insanity, yet you must obey my voice, or I cannot keep you safe. On Election Day 2008, the Lord began to speak to me about the changes that were blowing in my own life. Little did I know just how much it really was about to change when he spoke this. Each level will require more faith, more trust in me and my plan over your natural instincts. I will stretch your faith to its limits, for I want your testimony to be grand. Winds of change have indeed blown into your life, my child, and it is time for the manifestation of the fullness of my spirit in all my children now. And you, being one of them, shall soon see my gifts take on a stronger anointing in your own life. Know that everything you do, say or think, affects my anointing, and guard your heart, mind, and lips accordingly. Tell all who will listen, for the harvest is indeed white, and I will call my children home to be with me very soon indeed. There is still time for more to be saved. It is not too late, but they cannot believe unless they hear. Believe, trust, obey. Do not question my ways or methods of answering your prayers to me. Just believe I am able to do all you have asked of me and so much more. Keep believing me even when what you ask appears impossible, for I am the God of the impossible. Never lose your faith in me or let it waver in any way. I will instruct you on what you are to do each step of the way. I will require you to sacrifice the desires of your flesh, fleshly pleasures and indulgences you have oft used in the past to comfort yourself in times of sadness, mourning, or grief. For I alone am to be your comforter, and I will show you there is none other but me. I will require that you sacrifice time in prayer to intercede for the hurting and the unsaved. These are the sacrifices of the righteous, my child, and I shall require every one of them from you. I want you to lay down the distractions of each day and wait in my presence for a time that you may clearly hear my instructions to you for that day. Each day you do not do this, you lose something, some blessing, some leading, some enhancement or revelation for your life, some move of my hand. Many times they are unseen movements giving to you, moving on your behalf or holding back something bad from you or your loved ones. 
Each day you ignore or neglect your time with me, it costs you. So neglect it not, my child, for I desire that your life would be greatly blessed. Your heart weeps over this blood-soaked land because I have called you to intercede for me, that I may have mercy on it, that I may show mercy to you and your family. This is the seed I require to answer that prayer, to keep your family from the worst of what is to come. Intercede for me. Pray, intercede for this nation and for the loss of all peoples, for they are all precious to me. Be my mouthpiece in the earth, for time is short, and I have called you as a bold witness to my glory, my mercy, my grace, my salvation. There are many books you will write for and about me. The Wilderness Commandment was not written when he spoke this to me. And the first is coming soon. You have known this for some time. You will know when it is time to write it. It shall come easily to you. Fear not, for there is nothing in this plan to fear. I do not desire you fear anything but me only. On December 1st, I delivered the last of the project files to my broker's office in Oklahoma City and drove back to Woodward. It was January 2009, and the end times visions I had begun seeing were never far from my mind. I was sitting on an old worn sofa drinking my morning coffee in the furnished house I had rented six months earlier when the Lord began speaking to me about my next move. I had stayed where I was in Woodward after my work ended, awaiting his instructions. I put out resumes for work, but I knew the Lord planned to provide for me and already had a plan and would let me know when it was time for me to start on it. He did. I will be moving you soon to a new place in order to position you. Fear not when I speak to you to move, because I have already ordained the move and spoken your provision there. And if you remain when I am telling you to move, your provision in this place will dry up, as you know. You will not be unhappy where I'm moving you to, though at first you may want to doubt me. The recession was still all over the news in America, and the news media was reporting that more jobs were lost the last several months of 2008 than after the September 11th attacks. Voters had pinned their hopes on President Obama, who now had the unenviable position of rescuing America from a complete financial meltdown. Everyone was clutching tightly to their money and buckling down to watch how things developed while they waited out the economic storm. Being middle-aged and suffering from chronic back pain plus having only a few months of unemployment would normally have terrified me, but after having come through some wilderness experiences already, knowing God had a plan gave me great hope. Whatever his plan was, I knew it would succeed as long as I submitted and obeyed everything he spoke to me. As I prayed about my future, the Lord showed me in my spirit that he would block any wrong path I tried to take, as well as remove any wrong person I became involved with, as long as I was submitted to him completely. I felt in my spirit that time was getting very short. I didn't have any sense of how short, but it was comforting to know he would guide me back onto his path if I got off the correct path at any point. I had no idea where God was moving me, but wherever it was, I knew it would be in my best interest to go there. He gave me no clue about where I might be going, but he continued to speak more to me in my prayer times. I bounced back and forth between being certain the move was something great and being fearful of not having a job in such a terrible economy. How would I rent another place to live with no job? What if he moved me someplace I didn't like? I didn't mind change, but I hated uncertainty. I liked to plan my work and then work my plan. There was less chance of failing with a plan. But God was not interested in my need to plan. He was teaching me to trust him. 
I hoped the move would be to a familiar place. Maybe he would move me near mom so I could visit her more than just on the weekends near, or near my family again. Or maybe he would send me back to Texas to the Dallas area, though I had only a few friends there. Or maybe he was taking me someplace new where there were opportunities to witness or minister. My daughter, I am not setting you up to fail, but to prosper, to grow great in me and in my word and in my ways. Do not fear, for you discredit my name when you fear what I am doing. Like you think I will not provide for you, have I not always provided for you in the past? Repent of your unbelief and stop fretting. The new place will indeed bring changes, but they are good ones. You are in a season of rest right now. I am getting you ready to do my will. Concentrate on my word. Saturate your being with my word. You should be meditating on and speaking my word out of your mouth for victory. Would you ever desert your child or send them someplace where there was no provision? No. How much greater is my love for you? How can you think I would? Do not waste time giving heed to the enemy's lies for that I will not provide for you and care for you, for have I not always? Speak my word to the enemy when he comes at you like a flood with his lies and deception. Stir up your most holy faith and remind yourself as David did. Remind yourself of all the times I proved myself faithful to you. I know the exact dollar amount you will need to live on each month, and I have already ordained it to be there for you as long as you do not turn from my ways. I want you to spend your days reading my word and receiving your healing. Only a day or so later, I was talking with a friend on the phone about my upcoming move when I saw a vision flash in my spirit of a small, humble-looking little house. I grabbed my journal and sketched it just in case it was important. It is time for the next change to come into your life. You know I do nothing without great purpose behind it, so trust me. Trust me and know that I am acting in your best interest and I have the interest of the kingdom at heart. You're scaring me, Lord. It is more necessary that the interests of the entire kingdom be served than those of one person, my child. Those who are truly chosen must give up much to serve me, but the rewards are greater than you know. Trust me and just obey whatever I say to you, and all shall be well. I shall turn everything you see as negative to your great benefit and to the benefit of those to whom I have called you. I want you to fast for me now. Fast solid food and believe me to heal you. Fast television and movies. You must be in my word in order to receive it. As you fast for me, think on my names. Think on my names and all they mean to you. Think on these things, not your future and not your present state of affairs, for these are only temporary matters. I have so much ahead for you, but your compliance is necessary in order that I may release it to you. I cannot give you that which could destroy you. You must prove yourself to me now. You will do it now or you will fail. Or you fail and you forfeit the call to another who studies and shows themselves approved. The blessings will no longer be yours now if you do not obey me starting. Starting will no longer be yours now if you do not obey me starting now. I tell you the truth. I will take them away. Those I have planned for your future and I will make the ones you have now of no effect if you do not obey what I have this day commanded you to do. Do not fail and live a life of regret, my child, for your life is meant to be full and joyous. Remember the latter. He's talking about a vision I had like in the early 2000s. You must take off one more layer in order to go up to the next run. That is what I'm asking you to do for me. Take off that last fleshly layer, lay it at the foot of the cross, and climb up higher with me.
Okay, I'm going to skip over a few parts so that we, I can get all this, the most important parts of this in a podca- this podcast. When I rose on the morning of March 1st, I knew I was packing the very last of my things and I would be ready to leave that day. I prayed fervently in my morning prayer time for direction. Lord, please tell me where I'm going. I don't even know which direction to point my truck when I leave. Am I going to where mom is? Are you moving me closer to mom so I can visit her more often? Back to Dallas? To some new place? I need to know which direction to drive. I will finish loading today. Texas. Texas. Can I know the town I'm going to? Silence. I waited. Nothing. Okay, Lord, I will just head south when I finish loading then. I know you will tell me more when I need to know. Later that evening with friends and my son helping, everything was finally loaded into the U-Haul trailer. A typical Oklahoma spring day, the wind had blown hard all day long as we tried to load the last of the boxes. By the time it was all done, it was 9 p.m. that night. I still remember that night, Joel. I wanted nothing so much as a hot shower and a comfortable bed. I sat in my truck and looked at the empty house as my son did a last check of everything. I had already returned the keys to my landlord. There was no turning back now. I had never moved at night before and it felt strange to me. Every part of my body ached and my mind was exhausted from the emotions of saying goodbye to all my friends and leaving my family and my life as I knew it and having no idea what I was going to do. As my son did the last check, he discovered some of the lights on the trailer did not work. As he worked on the lights in the cold wind, the physical and mental exhaustion overcame me and tears began streaming down my face. It was 9 o'clock at night, and there would be no place open to get parts to fix the lights if he could not make them work. There was no strength left in me to face any more problems. We could not go back into the house to spend the night, and I didn't know what to do. As it turned out, he was able to get them working, but we had to stop every so often on the dark highway whenever they stopped on the way. So I decided to get as far as I could, then find a motel for the night. Even a couple of hours up the road would get the leaving part over with, and tomorrow was a new day. I was driving towards my place of new beginnings, wherever it was. I slowly pulled out onto the highway and headed for Oklahoma City. My son had talked to an old friend who had a job for him in the Dallas area, and he had agreed to help me move since I was going that way. He was excited to be leaving Oklahoma and getting a new start as well. He had worked in the oil field too, so we both ran out of work about the same time. He would move me into a house, then start his new job and get an apartment of his own. And I was thrilled he would have work there. His jobs were almost impossible to come by with the recession in full swing. So anyway, I was driving and I prayed about mom because I wouldn't be there to watch over her. And I cried a lot about that when I was driving because I didn't want to be away from mom. But you have to, you have to obey when God tells you to go, even if you go away from family because it is more important that you do what he says than you do what you want. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. I, I know it's painful because I did it. It's very painful. But it's still the right thing to do. And if you want him to provide for you and protect you and take care of you, you have to obey him. So I made it as far as Ardmore, Oklahoma that night, and I was exhausted beyond reasoning. reason. I still remember standing at the motel checkout and just being almost numb with exhaustion. I could barely answer the questions. I was so exhausted. And I was afraid I was going to collapse while I was checking in. And finally, he handed me the keys to our two rooms. And the next morning, getting dressed in my motel room, reality started assaulting my thoughts. And I thought, I just loaded my entire life into a 6 by 12 foot U-Haul. 
trailer. Based on what I think I heard from God, this movie will either ruin me or redeem me, <laughs> one or the other. And at this point, I'm not really sure which one that's going to be. And that was just, you know, the exhaustion. So I grabbed a stale sweet roll and a paper cup of coffee on my way out the front door and you just go back out and, you know, keep on going. I said, okay, Lord, I obeyed you. I packed my entire life into a trailer and I'm heading to Texas on your word. And I believe this is like when you told Abraham to go and you would tell him where he was going on the way. So I'm on the way now. Can I please know where it is I'm going? And I waited a few seconds and suddenly in my spirit, I saw a map and it was a paper map. It was a vision of a paper map like we used to use when we drove places. And an oval shape highlighted in Northeast Texas. I knew the area well. I had lived in it when I was married. I was going to live near, near Dallas again. And what it was was the Princeton and McKinney area. Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Long story short, we got to McKinney and I rented two motel rooms. And it was 10 days before I knew what town the Lord wanted me to rent a house in. 10 days. I was freaking out every which way but loose, y'all. And the reason is because what little savings I had left, I was watching it just drain away, paying for those two motel rooms and food and everything like that. And I needed to get us a place rented so Rick could get his job started and stuff because we had to, we had to unload. You know, and U-Haul is... <laughs> You always texted me every day, the trailer's late, it's another 20 bucks, trailer's late, another 20, you know, and like, bring the trailer back, you know, what are you doing? And I, I called them and told them and they still texted me. But, uh, yeah, that 10 days was rough. I remember having one or two meltdowns. I remember talking to the phone on, uh, on the phone to someone in my family and they said, no, you made a mistake. You, there's no way that was God. You made a mistake. And then I thought, Surely I didn't. You know, I knew I'd heard him. I knew I'd heard him. But I had a couple of meltdowns in the motel room where I just sat there and cried because, I, you know, there I was, and I'm sitting in a motel room paying for two motel rooms and no house, and I'm like, Lord, I, I heard you, right? That was you, right? And finally, he showed me the house, and it turned out to be the house, the little house I had sketched in my journal. And I rented it. We got it. We unloaded. Then I remember the night that we unloaded, it was night. We had freezing rain. And every time we sat down, we got up, we would have ice on our jeans. It was so cold. But for 10 days, I would go out and I would drive around. I would pray in the spirit. And I would drive through all these different towns. I would say, this one, Lord, this one. And he would not answer me. So I would just keep praying and driving. It turned out, after the 10 days, he told me, he said, you were exhausted. I wanted you to rest. He just wanted me to rest in that 10 days, but I had no idea. He wanted me to rest and just, you know, pray and spend time with him. But, you know, I'm thinking, I got to get a house. I got to get a house. I got to get a house. I'm not real good at resting when there's work to do. Y'all probably noticed. So he does reveal to you when you get where you're supposed to go. You know, he will tell you on the way just enough so that you can see where you're going. Or you know what direction to go in. Many people who walk very closely with him are going to be told to move in this time and not told where they're going. And I believe it is because the Lord wants a separation between them and the people that maybe live around them because uh, the persecution is going to rise up 
and there, you know, martyrdom's going to come in and all that at some point. I don't know how far away that is. And I believe he's trying to give us more time to do kingdom work on the earth before we're taken out or until he gets back, whichever one. So do not be surprised if the Lord tells you, hey, I'm moving you, you know, pack up your stuff. And then you don't get much of direction on where he's moving you. And some people, and you know, I've told you all this story before about my niece, Angie. Um, and she loves God. She does. When he moved her and she's like, I'm not going until I have a job there and a house and whatever. And he um, allowed her to get robbed in Amarillo. And it took her rent money, her new prescription glasses. And I can't remember what all else was robbed uh, out of her car at work. And her purse, I believe. And then when she still didn't go, it happened a second time. So you don't want to play with him with this. When he says go, you need to go. And what the Lord was trying to do was move her back near her parents because they were fixing to need her help. And she did not know that at the time. And when she realized he was not playing, she did it. And she, she, did, you know, she listens. She does. And that's how we learn things, you know, just like with an earthly parent. Uh, if we don't obey, we, there's consequences to face. We don't want those consequences. We just need to obey. Remember, if you are listening to the voice of fear, if you're listening to Satan say, oh, you're not going to have any place to live, you're not going to have any money, you're not going to have any food to eat, if you are listening to the voice of fear, you will not be able to hear the voice of faith, which is the Lord speaking to you. That is very important. There are more things that he told me that are in the Wilderness Companion, but there's not enough room in this podcast to read all of them to you. Know, it would take too many podcasts to read them all. Uh, the book is available in audiobook form, though, if you all want that, uh, as well as print and Kindle. I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you and that it gives you a better idea of what happens when the Lord says go and you know, I'll tell you where you're going on the way. Um, it, <laughs> it takes a lot of faith to do it. You have a whole, whole lot of faith by the time you've done it because he builds your faith on the way. But I will tell you this. God is faithful. He loves you. He's not doing anything that's not for your benefit and for the kingdom's benefit. And if you just believe him and trust you, he'll provide everything that you need. By the way, just because God tells you to move, if he says, okay, I'm moving you and I'll tell you where you're going on the way, that does not mean you're entering a wilderness, okay? He's just getting you from point A to point B. That does not mean you're entering a wilderness. I entered a wilderness because I needed to write that book. That was for kingdom purposes. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. 
Wilderness experiences are often times of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glinda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. Do you know someone who is going through a wilderness season right now? Have you heard about The Wilderness Companion Study Guide? It's a workbook with 41 lessons, including new stories from the wilderness and questions to help you work through your own wilderness experience. Read each lesson, then complete the questions to apply the lesson to your own wilderness experience. Get your copy of the Wilderness Companion Study Guide today and get one for a friend. Available now on Amazon.com. The Wilderness Companion Study Guide by Glenda Lomax. Available on Amazon.com.